Well, if you haven't noticed already, today, our theme today for the sermon and the service is a shepherd. And you know, shepherds have a tough job, especially when the government gets to be involved. An old and very wise shepherd was herding his flock in a remote pasture when suddenly someone driving in a light green pickup truck advanced out of a dust cloud towards him. The driver stops the truck and gets out and says he is from the Department of Agriculture Enforcement Division. To the shepherd, he looks to be about 15 years old. The young man says to the shepherd, you have one too many sheep, so I must confiscate one. The shepherd looks at the guy and says, how can that be? I have 1,500 sheep grazing here and 1,500 is the legal limit. Before you take any sheep from me, you'll have to prove it to me. By the way, how long have you been working for the department? The young man responds, three weeks, right after I got out of college. Then he whips out his laptop, connects to a cell phone, surfs to an online GPS satellite navigation system, scans the area, opens a database, and then he turns to the shepherd and says, you have exactly 1,501 sheep here. The shepherd says, that's amazing. I, I guess it's correct, so I'll have to let you confiscate one of my sheep. He watches as the young man selects an animal and bundles it up and puts it into his truck. Then the shepherd says to the young man, Son, I don't mean any disrespect, but you have a lot to learn. For instance, before you go confiscate any more sheep, you might want to learn the difference between a sheep and other kinds of animals, because you just confiscated my sheep dog. <laughs> the story in our second scriptural passage read, by Jim, is another parable, and I have been, actually it was read by Joe, and I have been saying for the last few Sundays, the use of parables was the favorite method of teaching by Jesus. The word parable in Greek means two things laid side by side to compare them, and then to provoke thought about what the comparison means. The two things that are laid side by side in the teachings of Jesus are, first, a story about everyday life at the time of Jesus, such as farming or fishing. And then, second, a significant spiritual concept that one can learn from the story, but is usually difficult to understand. We sometimes need to remember that at the time of Jesus, there were no televisions, no radios, no textbooks or internet. So the method of parables was used by people, especially rabbis, to teach spiritual truths. In this parable, Jesus describes a situation to which his audience could readily relate. The relationship between a shepherd and his flock. At the time of Jesus, no flock of sheep ever grazed without a shepherd. And he was never off-duty. In Palestine, there wasn't much grass, and the the flocks had to wander 
great distances. The countryside was very rough with many crags, cliffs, and sudden drop-offs. The shepherd had to always monitor his sheep to protect them from the dangers of the land on which they grazed. In addition, there was a great danger presented to the sheep by wild animals, especially wolves who would strike in packs upon the, the flock and grab as many sheep as they could. Another danger came from humans. Yes, there were many thieves at the time who would gladly steal one of the sheep because it was very, very valuable. In order to deal with all this danger, a shepherd was frequently described as a person of constant vigilance, fearless courage, and having patient love. Perhaps these characteristics are why God is frequently referred to in the Old Testament as the shepherd of the nation of Israel. From the first scriptural passage today, the Lord, you can hear, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Other passages state, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture and the sheep of his land. This picture passes over into the New Testament, wherein Jesus is represented and described as the good shepherd, who risked his life to save the one lost sheep. Or, he has pity upon the people because they are as sheep without a shepherd. This parable also describes the nature of the relationship between the shepherd and his flock. At the time of Jesus, there were primarily the sheep were primarily sought for their wool and not their meat. Therefore, the sheep were often with the shepherd for years, and the shepherd came to know the characteristics of each and every one of those sheep, all 1,500 of them. The sheep also came to know and trust the shepherd and would only respond to his voice when he would call them. When the day of grazing his flock came to an end and the night time was falling, the shepherd would move his flock into crude enclosures called sheep folds that were built throughout Palestine just for that purpose. They were nothing but a bunch of brush and some logs placed around a central area for the sheep. Most importantly, they had no gates and no doors. At night, the shepherd would lie down across the opening of the enclosure, and nothing could get in or out except over his body. The sheep could not get out, and the dangerous animals could not get in. The shepherd literally became the doorway and, the, and created a safe and secure home for his sheep. With this background, Jesus created a vivid picture of the good shepherd who has a deep, loving concern for his flock. And the flock will respond to his loving care and follow him anywhere. Those that Jesus was speaking to did not understand the deeper spiritual meaning of this parable. Something was laid alongside of the everyday story that had a significant meaning. So, 
Jesus attempts to explain that meaning to his listeners. By the way, this is on one of the few parables in the Bible where Jesus actually explains what the deeper spiritual meaning that is contained in the parable. In his explanation, he plainly re- applies the parable to himself. himself. He begins by saying, I am the gate for the sheep. I will repeat that. I am the gate for the sheep. In using this story, Jesus was explaining to us that he was the gate or door that leads us to God. As the Apostle Paul said, through him, meaning Jesus, we have access to the Father. To describe part of the significance of that doorway, Jesus uses a well-known Hebrew phrase, and it is, we can always go out and come in. We can always go out and come in. To be able to come out and to come safely and to go in safely was a Hebrew way of describing life that is safe and secure with God. From that safety and security, one can gain the power and the courage through God to deal with any situation that life may present. When a person could go in and out without fear, it meant that he or she was at peace. This phrase is still used in many benedictions given in services today, including mine. Now, we all know that today there are many places in this world that are not safe, that are not secure. Those places include, but are not limited to, in our nation and our communities within our nation. Using these words, Jesus is telling us that once we use him as the door to come to an understanding of God, And we walk through that doorway. We make God a part of our lives. And from that, a new sense of safety, security, strength, and courage will alter our lives. Walking through that doorway. Those things come from the knowledge that God is always with us. God is the giver of the power and the strength we need to live our lives in these very troubled times. <clears throat> now it's important to stress that second. it's important to stress that God does not promise to remove problems and difficulties we must endure to life for life today. He does not promise that our loved one will receive and recover from their illness. God does not promise that we will not grieve over the loss of a loved one. God does not promise that the savage wars that are currently raging will end. God does not promise that the division, strife, and discrimination that exists in our country will cease. But what God does promise and promises each and every one of us is stated in our first scriptural passage, he, may, he makes me lie down 
in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That is what God promises. That is what God can give all of us if we walk through that doorway. But, of course, the first step comes. Are we willing to walk through that doorway? Now, some of us do not seek security, power, and courage from God through Jesus Christ. Instead, we look to alcohol or other types of drugs. How many of us have experienced ourselves or have had loved ones experience the temporary security and power of that high that comes from taking a drug of choice? You feel wonderful. Everyone around you looks wonderful. The world seems to be a wonderful place in which to live. However, eventually, that high begins to diminish. And the drug that was one time gave you so much safety and security now begins to cause the opposite. Anxiety and fear. Our thoughts become focused only on where and when that next drink, that next hit, or that next injection will come. Instead of giving safety and security, the drug has become a prison from which there is no safety or security and certainly no strength or courage. Another thing that keeps us from entering the relationship with God through the door of Jesus are our own egos. Many of us feel we can make it through life on our own. We don't need the concept of a relationship with God through Jesus. And besides, it's just a theoretical crutch. We view the world in terms of me and mine and I and myself. We don't need anyone or anything to help us live our lives. From strictly a material basis, we can see that philosophy is working. Just look at the beautiful home in which we live. The Porsche and the Bentley in the five-car garage. The stock and real estate portfolios we have. We don't need to believe in God. What more could God do for us? But once again, we eventually discover that our material possessions do not give us safety, security, strength, and courage. And we feel the only thing that would is more and more and more material possessions. And we discover they don't work. All that we have accumulated does not give us what we want. If we can move away from the things that give us false security, safety, power, and courage, and if we can come, okay, if we can stop our egotistical way of thinking of them, we too can enter the sheepfold of God, the presence of God. 
the awareness of God through Jesus Christ. Folks, it is there. It is there. The sheepfold of God, the knowledge and awareness of God is there waiting for us where we can find true security, true safety, true strength and courage that only can come from one source. That is God. So, let us step through that doorway today. Right now. Amen.